while, uh, while we were in the States a couple of months ago, my family and I had the privilege of going to a butterfly conservatory. We got into the car, driving there on a Saturday, and I must be honest, I was not filled with joy to go to a butterfly conservatory. But we approached the building. It's this beautiful glass dome with plants. And uh, as we walked in, we walked into a, a smaller room that looked like a laboratory. And what I saw blew my mind. On this big board, it's a big board, that had a caterpillar squiggling around, spinning himself into a cocoon, and we saw in front of us live the birth of a butterfly. It was glorious, seeing the whole process of a butterfly being born. In our text tonight, we see a man go through the same process, a man going through a spiritual metamorphosis in dying but coming alive. It helps us to marvel at the simplicity of the gospel, but yet the power of the gospel, saving someone that is dead. Now, there is lots to talk about in this text, but I want us to look at three stages of a believer's metamorphosis. And the first stage is the reviling of a criminal, verse 32. Now, we see in our text that two criminals were crucified next to Jesus, one on the left, one on the right. But when we read Mark 15, verse 32, we see that both criminals were reviling against Jesus, spitting, swearing, reviling against our brother. They joined in with a crowd. Look at verse 35. It said, people stood by watching, but the rulers scoffed at him, saying, he saved others, let him save himself. If he is the Christ, the chosen one, and the soldiers mocked, and these two criminals joined in. But as I read this, something struck me. Both these criminals are being crucified. They choose to forget about the nails in their hands and their feet and rather spit in Jesus' face. Here they are hanging, dying, busy suffocating, and they use their last breath to curse Jesus. Brother, sister, I want you to realize that this is a perfect picture of someone that is spiritually dead. They cannot see Jesus. They'll rather revile against Him, the Savior, the Creator, than think of their own eternal life. No, I don't care if I die, but I want me, myself, and I. I want to be served. I want to serve myself. Who's this Jesus? This is what we see in this text. They're more concerned about rejecting God than thinking of their death. And we need to appreciate why these men were crucified. This was the ultimate punishment for people being crucified by Romans. They were as bad as it gets. Not mere thieves, as some of your translation says. God gives us a picture of guilty, 
helpless, dying men. They can't escape the past. It's done. They are criminals. They can't escape the present. They are nailed to a cross. And they can't save themselves for the future. They can't do this. Here they are, hanging on a cross, condemned. And there's nothing they can do. Nothing. Now you might sit here thinking that you cannot become a believer because of your past. You are too big of a sinner. Well, keep on listening. You might sit here feeling helpless in finding Jesus. Well, keep on listening. But now there's a a change in this man. And here comes the simplicity of the glorious gospel. And that's our second stage, the response of a criminal. What happened? Here he hangs, cursing Jesus, reviling Jesus. Who are you? And now there's a change. His words of insult changes into words of affirmation, confession. Look at verse 40. It says, But the other rebuked him, saying, Do you not fear God? There's a change. Can I suggest to you why this change? Because that should be the first question. Like, well, hang on a second. You've changed. Look at verse 34. And Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Jesus being reviled and not reviling back. Jesus knowing the state of these two people. They need me, Father. You need to save them because they don't know what they do. Jesus, through his spirit, draws this man to himself. He's opening the man's eyes of his heart. This man is changing the way he acts towards Jesus because of Jesus. Now, on face value, this man is pretty much dying the same death as Jesus, nailed hanging, suffocating, but Jesus was different. And this man saw it. The gospel is unfolding in front of us, just like a caterpillar becoming a butterfly. Let's look at what changed and how this happened. And first of all, we see that this criminal confessed Jesus as God. Again, look at verse 40. It says, but he rebuked the other criminal, saying, do you not fear God? This man hanging next to you is God himself. Fear him. He confesses Jesus as God. Like 1 John 2, to 23 says, who is the liar but he who denies that Jesus is the Christ? This is the Antichrist, he who denies the Father and the Son. No one who denies the Son has the Father. Whoever confesses the Son has the Father also. This is what this criminal is doing. This man, he is God. Secondly, he's confessing his sin. Look at verse 41. And we indeed justly, we deserve this, For we are receiving the due reward of our deeds. He knows he's a sinner. 
He knows I'm hanging here because I did X, Y, and Z. He's confessing his sins. He knows that no one is righteous. He knows that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And he knows the wages of sin is death. That's why he's hanging there. He's confessing his sin. Thirdly, he's confessing Jesus' perfection. Look at the latter bit of verse 41. But this man has done nothing wrong. He's confessing that this man who is being crucified knew no sin, but took sin upon him dying on the cross, confessing Jesus' perfection. And then fourthly, he's placing his faith in Jesus. Look at verse 42. It says, and he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. He's recognizing that Jesus is the ruler of a kingdom. He's putting his faith in there. Jesus, I know you're the king. I know you're the ruler. Remember me. He's putting his faith in Jesus. He's confessing with his mouth that Jesus is Lord. For with the heart one believes and is justified. And we see Romans 10 play out here. Whoever sits here tonight and finds it difficult to understand how you become a believer, this is it. It is simple. You confess Jesus as God. You confess that you're a sinner in need of a Savior. You confess that Jesus is that Savior because He is perfect. And then you place your faith and trust in Jesus alone. It is that simple. And we pray that if you are in this position, that the Holy Spirit will work and turn in your heart to make you believe this simple truth. We are dead. We are sinful. God is perfect. So He cannot stand our sin. We cannot save ourselves except through Jesus. Confess your sin, believe in Jesus, and be right with God. This man knew he couldn't save himself. He knew he was a sinner in need of a Savior. And he knew that the man next to him, busy suffering, is that Savior. With confession came change. Can you say the same? Have you gone through this process of coming alive in Jesus? Have you realized that there is nothing good in you except Jesus? That you're a sinner in need of a Savior? And that you know that Jesus is the only Savior? This man didn't live for long. But he knew the truth. He knew that he needed to confess Jesus as Savior. And that brings us to our third Stage the regeneration of a criminal. What is going to happen with this man? He reviled, he cursed, he rejected God. There was a change, and he changed his reviling into confession. Now what? Look at verse 43. And he, Jesus, said to him, Truly I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. Jesus declares this man as righteous. 
because of his faith. And it's through his faith in Jesus that he has peace with God. But hearing this, I fear that a lot of people are reading this text saying, truly I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. That's the focus. I just need to go to heaven, right? But Jesus said, today you'll be with me in paradise. He wasn't only going to heaven. He was receiving Jesus himself. He says, with me. Family, how do we view the gospel? Is it something that we tag on, like a Christmas decoration just hanging on a tree? Okay, well, I confess Jesus and now I'm going to heaven. Or do we really see who Jesus truly is? Does that provoke the love and joy that we have in Jesus? He died for us. Without him, we will not be here. We will live different lives. Do we see Jesus for who he really is? A savior. A man that stooped down to come and serve, not to be served. For us. Do we view the gospel for what it is? It set us free from our sin. Do we view sin for what it is? What do we make of ourselves out to be? Are we just happy to go to heaven and we can sit back and enjoy life and indulging in sin and self-gratification? How did the act of Jesus saving you through the Spirit change the way you live, think, and talk? Is there a change? Are we so familiar with the gospel and the fact that we're going to heaven that we forgot, forget all about Jesus? Jesus is the reward, not only heaven and a better lifestyle. Are you satisfied with Jesus alone? Would you be happy to be in heaven without Jesus? We need to find our identity and joy in Jesus alone. Not only because of heaven. Not because it gives us an excuse to sin. Brother, sister, the appreciation of what Jesus did for us. Dying. Being victorious over death. Being with the Father. And we can follow that. That should create a joy in our lives. A joy that promotes us to living holy lives. Jesus must be our joy and crown. Jesus should motivate us to live these holy lives. When you confess Jesus as Savior, the change in your life should be evident. Now tonight we saw man come alive and change through a spiritual metamorphosis called faith. Declaring who Jesus is, his Savior. Can you say that you've transformed from a caterpillar to a butterfly? If so, your life should show the beautiful colors of Jesus. Let us pray. Our Father, it is glorious to know that you loved us. You loved us. And that's why you sent your son.
Jesus, we worship you and we bring glory to your name because you came to serve. You died for us. And through that, we became part of you. <coughs> Holy Spirit, we pray and we ask that for those that have put their faith in you, that you would stir us up to holy lives, to show the difference. Lord, and for those that still need to confess you as Lord, I pray that you would stir their hearts and help them to see you. Turn their stony hearts into hearts of flesh and that they would pump for you, bringing you all the glory that is needed. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.